You're listening to the Hope Community Church Podcast. So today we're going to be looking at prayer, and in particular what I want to focus on is the struggles of prayer. Because I've heard a lot of sermons on, um, we'll have heard sermons on Jesus teaching us how to pray, and that's really good to give us a structure of how to pray. But I find prayer really difficult. I find it difficult to focus, and I find it difficult when my prayers go unanswered to keep going and to keep persisting in prayer. And I think it's important that we're honest about the struggles that we have with prayer and so that we can grow together. So to start off with, I want to start with that honesty. Put your hand up. If either you struggle or you don't think you pray enough or you struggle with prayers that go unanswered. Cool. I think we're all in a good, we're all in good company. We're in agreement there. And so I first of all want to look at how we can focus more when we're praying and how that can be a struggle. And often, also, I want to focus on unanswered prayer and how we can struggle with unanswered prayer, and that can be something we really wrestle with. So firstly, when we do sit down ready to pray, when we make that time to pray, we can find it so difficult to focus and our minds can wander all over the place. And there's a few places in Scripture that talk to us about the importance of stillness before the Lord. Uh, One example is Psalm 46, verse 10, which will be familiar to many of us. It says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. That's so hard to do, to find those moments of stillness when our minds are wandering off to so many different places. And there are a few things that can help us to find that stillness practically. I find if I've got loads of technology buzzing off all the, all the time, then that helps me, that doesn't help me focus. And also going into another room or going somewhere in nature, going for a walk and perhaps sitting by the beach and finding time to pray there can be somewhere we can find it easier, easier to focus. And I often find deep down what distracts me are things that I care about. I can have these lofty ideas of what I should be praying about I should be praying about what I see on the news and when we, a few months ago, saw what was going on in Afghanistan, I wanted to be praying for that. And that was really important to pray for. But then I also, the thing that's immediately on my heart is my relative who's unwell. And so focusing on our prayer on those things that matter to us isn't bad. That's not a bad thing. That can help us focus. And I think that's something we've started with already and the theme I want to pick up on is honesty before God. And how when we're honest with our emotions and the things we're struggling with, and not praying about the things we feel like we should be praying about, then that can help us focus so much when we're praying. This all being said, when we do sit down to pray, we're still going to struggle to focus. It's going to be a constant battle, i found. Even when I Maybe set a timer for how I'm going to pray and I'm going to stop when that timer goes off. That can be helpful. But my mind's still wandering all over the place. And so I think it's important to remember that for however long we pray and however um, focused we feel we are, God's not judging our prayers. Never think, oh, I wasn't very focused. That prayer was prophetic. We can think that, that our prayers are bad because we haven't focused very much when we're doing them. That's not what God thinks. 
God always values it when we speak to him and when we spend that time in prayer with him. So God is not judging our prayers in the way that we might do. And so don't worry about God thinking you're a bad prayer because God always values it when we talk to him. Secondly, unanswered prayer, and this I'm going to spend longer on because I find it so frustrating when I, I've been praying for certain things for years and it feels like they're getting further away from happening rather than closer. The more I pray, it seems like it's not getting closer to happening. And some unanswered prayers are really simple to understand. I mean, you may have prayed in the Euro 2020 final for England to win. But I'm sure Italian people were praying for Italy to win, and God can't answer both of those prayers. And so God's got a difficult time there, thinking, oh, I can't please everyone. And in a similar way, we might be running late for a plane or a train, and um, we'll be praying that the the plane or the train gets delayed so we can catch it. But then equally, someone will be praying that it leaves on time so that they can get their connecting train or connecting flight to the next destination. So some prayers are kind of, we can understand why they go unanswered because they conflict with each other. God can't answer both prayers. However, some unanswered prayers are much more difficult to understand and much more infuriating. We can think, why on earth would God not answer that? And if it's something that's been going on for years and we can't understand, it can be so frustrating and it can seem unfair when someone else experiences an answered prayer, an answered prayer, and their relative gets healed or they experience healing, and equally, our relative hasn't been healed. And we can find it difficult when that one thing happens, but the person we really care about hasn't experienced healing. And I think there's a careful caution there that when we do experience answered prayer, if we know someone's going through something difficult, We don't want to parade it over them. We want to sit down with them in their difficulty and pray with them rather than parade our answered prayers over them because that can be unhelpful. I think what's important also here is to remember that Jesus understands an answered prayer because he experienced an answered prayer too. We're going to have a look at an example in Luke 22, verses 41 to 42 and this is on where Jesus is on the Mount of Olives and he's praying it says this he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them knelt down and prayed father if you are willing take this cup from me yet not my will but yours be done I think this tells us a lot that when Jesus prayed he prayed if it is your will and we'll often add that on to our prayers if it's your will God then I want it to happen And it's good to pray in a similar way that over time our will and God's will would be the same and that they wouldn't be different because we know that God wants what's best for us and that God in his plans has got our best intentions at heart. But Jesus, as he was praying this, knew what that would mean. Jesus knew that if God did not take that cup from him, that would mean death on a cross. And so, when we pray about something, we need to be obedient to it, to God's answer, even if it's something we feel uncomfortable doing. Now, that's not 
for us, that's not going to involve being crucified. So I don't think we need to worry too much about that. But Jesus was obedient to God's call and God's call on his life. And I'm sure that if we knew Jesus in the first century, if we were the disciples and he was our teacher and our leader, we would have prayed for Jesus not to have died in that way, for Jesus not to have been crucified in that way, because we wouldn't have wanted him to go through that as our teacher. But then if, if Jesus hadn't have done that, we wouldn't be able to know him in the way that we do today, and we wouldn't be reconciled to God in the way that we are. So the disciples thought that they were praying for a good and right thing, when in reality, God not answering their prayers then was the best thing for them. And that obviously seemed really difficult when they, were, when they saw that Jesus was going to be crucified. But how grateful we are that that did happen. Also, Jesus' prayer here in, um, on the Mount of Olives is very simple. It's very short. And I think we can learn a lot from that too, that our prayers don't have to be long, fancy, and full of words. We don't have to impress God with our words. And this is talked about in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 7 to 8. So I'm just going to turn to that now. Oh, I'll just read it from the screen. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you need it, before you, need, before you ask him. And what this passage is saying is, it's not saying don't pray for long periods of time, because Jesus was in a pattern of frequently withdrawing to pray, and he would pray for long amounts of time. So that's a good thing to do. But it's not saying just do short prayers, and so I think um, understanding the message here is best understood when we look at the word babbling. And I find that quite a fun word to say, babbling. And essentially what that means is saying lots of words without any meaning to them. And so when we pray, we want to say words that are meaningful and not say words for the sake of saying them. We're impressing God. So we don't want to babble. Um, to God, but we want to be open to him. And if that's a long prayer, that's great. But if that's just short and a few words, that's all we feel like we can say at that time, that's more than good enough. If all you feel like you can say is help, or may you heal this person, that's, that's fine. That's just as good as um, a longer prayer. The Bible does say that our attitudes towards God and others does affect whether our prayers are answered. And our attitude towards God and others affects how our prayers are answered. And this can seem a strange idea at first. Why would God matter? Um, why would God care about my um, situation and my thoughts? Um, and how would that affect whether God would answer prayer? And a helpful verse um, when looking at this is Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15, which says this, when you, spread your hands out, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. What this is saying is that if there's a clear area of sin in our lives that we're not addressing, and our hands are full of blood, not literally, but we've got that clear area of sin that we're not addressing, then God isn't going to be responsive. And another verse that helps unpack this is in Proverbs 21, verse 13, which says, whoever shuts their, 
Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Whoever shuts their eyes to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. And so our concern for others affects how our prayers are answered. This is because God answers us when we obey him. And now, of course, we're all going to mess up and get things wrong, and God's still going to answer our prayers when we do that, as people who um, are sinful and we struggle with our sin. But God wants us to become more like him and be on that process. And the helpful analogy that a guy called Yancey gives is if you went to a neighbor's house and said, I love spending time with you, but I hate your stupid dog and keep those bratty kids out of my yard, will you? Do you think you're going to be well received by that neighbor if you say, I love you, but I hate the people you love and I hate, um, I hate your house? You're not going to be well received. And in a similar way, if we go to God saying, I love you, I hate those other people that you love, we're not going to be well received. I love you, God, but I hate the poor. Those two things don't work because God loves the poor and we want to share God's heart. So when we love God, we want to love those who God loves too. When we love God, we want to share his concern for others um, and his concern for the poor. So I think that verse in Proverbs is really helpful to, to remind us of the importance of loving those who God loves. And so therefore, when we pray, we want our hearts to align with God's. We want our cares to be what God cares about. And we love because God first loved us. That's what it says in 1 John 4.19. It says that really simply. We love because he first loved us. We want to show the love that we receive from God to those around us. And so for many of us, we can, we can see these things and we can think, I can understand why my unanswered prayer has gone unanswered. Perhaps you were praying for a certain job and you didn't get the job, but you later got a job that worked out and that was where God wanted you to be. And so you could understand why God didn't give you that job. But at the same time, some prayers go unanswered and it doesn't feel like there's a bad motivation behind it doesn't feel like we've done anything massively wrong and we can still not really understand why they go unanswered it would seem good for God to answer the prayer it would seem like a good thing to do and we just can't understand it and I want to say that these prayers are in the Bible too and so I'm going to read a bit of a long passage in 2 Samuel in which David goes through one of these unanswered prayers it's 2 Samuel chapter 12, and we're going to read from verse 15 to 23. I'll read it on the here. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had been born to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up on the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. 
David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request they served him food, and he ate. His attendants asked him, Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. He answered, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. And so in this passage, we read of how David's child, um, David had committed a sin and God had caused this to happen. And he'd prayed and asked for repentance and he'd prayed for the child to live. He'd fasted and he'd wept and nothing happened. And there wasn't an answer to the prayer. And we can see in hindsight how if David's son had become king, then that um, King Solomon, who was a wise king, may not have later become king. But that was no good answer for David at that time. He just struggled with that unanswered prayer. And he kept going, but he struggled with it. And there are going to be prayers that we might never understand why they go unanswered. Sometimes we will, and in maybe 20, 30 years' time we might realize, but sometimes we might never understand. And the Bible is honest with us about that. And in those moments, we have to trust that God has got his plans for us in those times, and also that we can learn from those moments, and that we can learn empathy and we can gain understanding from what we've gone through that we can share with others. But even then, there seems to be an unfairness in the sense that for any one of us who have lost a loved one or have experienced an answer prayer in that way, we'd always rather have that person than have more empathy. I'd always rather have someone I love back in my life than be more empathetic to others. And so, in a way, the trade-off doesn't seem worth it. And the trade-off that God gives us doesn't, doesn't quite satisfy because we'd always rather have the answered prayer. We don't get that decision to make and we need to trust that God has got his plans right and that through that empathy we can learn and show that love to others. And so I want to be honest that sometimes it's never going to feel right or fair but we're going to trust God in his plans and his processes for our lives. Additionally, we are told in when we experience suffering and when we mourn, God will bless us. Matthew 5 verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This implies that when we experience mourning, when we experience difficult emotions and likely unanswered prayer, God will comfort us, and God wants us to express how we feel to him. And so God doesn't hide away from that, but God comforts us in those moments of difficulty. And he says, don't put those emotions to the back of your mind, but do express them to me. Do express them to me 
and do be open with me and I will comfort you. God promises us that comfort. So prayer is hard and it can be hard to concentrate and it can be difficult to keep going. And as I've read different books on prayer and different ways in which we pray, the sort of quote that stood out to me was by Tim Chester and I'm going to read this to you now. I can't overstate how important this is. So many books and talks on prayer make prayer a discipline that we need to work on so we can become good prayers. Prayer then becomes something we achieve. But it's not. Prayer is not something we can achieve. Prayer is a child asking her father for help. Nothing more, nothing less. And I resonate with that a lot, that prayer is not something we achieve. We can often read about people or see people who look like amazing prayer warriors who spend hours a day in prayer. And that's never been realistic for me. And we'll read certain techniques and practical tips to help us pray, and they can be helpful. And the Lord's Prayer can direct our, can give us a structure to our prayer, which can be helpful. But ultimately, prayer is a child asking their father for help. And it's about that honest and open dialogue with him. So to sum up this sermon, I think it's summed up by the word honesty. God wants us to be honest in our praying. He wants us to be honest and pray for what we care about, for that will help us focus. God wants us to be honest about our shortcomings and our strugglings, because he will comfort us in our weakness. And as we weep and mourn, God promises us that comfort. And so to close, I want to read a few verses from Psalm 139. And as I read them, it would be great if you could close your eyes and just meditate on these verses. And I'm going to read them about five times. And as I do, I just want this to be a time when we can express our hearts to God. It says this, Search me, God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, I pray that you would search us. I thank you that you do know our hearts and that we can be honest about what we're anxious about before you. We can be honest about our anxious thoughts. And we thank you that you promise us that everlasting life. And that for those of us who passed, those of us who know people who have passed away, we thank you that your promises, believers, will 
be with you. We thank you that you know our hearts and we can express ourselves to you and be honest. Amen. You're listening to the Hope Community Church Podcast.